Hey, Rock Church Point Loma, are you happy to be in the house of God today? Let's go. I'm excited. I'm sweating right now, so forgive me if I'm glistening right now. I'm just excited. Those kids were amazing. Can we give it up for the Rock Academy students as well? The worship team. Woo! God has something special in store. My name is Allison. I have the profound privilege of serving as the student pastor here for our Point Loma campus. I want to say hello to everyone who is here today, but I also want to say hello to all of our bonus cousins, our families that is tuning in right now across all of our campus. So shout out to Chula Vista City Heights. Hey, Pastor Ryan, did I get that? Did I get the dip right? Was that okay? All right. We're going to go on to El Cajon, San Marcos, and last but certainly not least, we got to get loud for this one. We want to give a shout out to Rock Church Oahu, who is tuning in right now. Our senior pastor and our leadership team is out there right now connecting with Pastor Mark and the team. They're streaming this service right now. So Pastor Mark and all of the team, we thank you so much to your family for saying yes and being obedient, for spreading pervasive hope to Hawaii and beyond. Rock Church, can we clap it up for them? <laughs> pastor Mark, if you ever need help from any of us, we will make the sacrifice to go to Hawaii. Can I get an amen? We will go to Hawaii and help you. We love you and let's get to it. Family, we are in week four of our series called Firm Foundation. How many of you have been blessed by this series so far? Raise your hand. Yeah, I've been getting wrecked every single week. And I love that we are focusing on our foundation because the strength of our foundation determines what we can build. What we can build. And as a church, we're saying our first pillar and what we are building upon is saying this, Jesus is our message. We believe in the power of the gospel. That is what we're staking our claim in. We believe that Jesus died. He lived a perfect life. And because he lived a perfect life, he is the only one that can be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Jesus is our message. Number two, worship is our response. So we are a church that doesn't just hear songs and say, oh my goodness, that's my song, that's my key. We say worship is our response. And then third, we say prayer is our priority. Now keep in mind, we didn't say prayer is an accessory. We said prayer is a priority, which means it is our first response and not our last. And today, my friends, we are gonna introduce to you guys our fourth pillar. Love is our motivation. In 1 John 4.19, it says this, we love because he first loved us. So we have the ability to love and to give and to be patient because we received it freely from him. So if it's important to Jesus, guess what? It got to be important to us. Can I get an amen? amen? So today, we're going to be talking about love is our motivation. We see how Jesus demonstrated that through his life. And today we're going to hear from three phenomenal speakers, but one message, how their lives were completely radically changed by the love of Jesus and how it motivates them to love like Jesus did. So take notes because all of us here in this room are called to do that. We are motivated. So I'm going to ask one thing from you guys. If you hear something that one of these speakers says today, 
Go ahead and snap your fingers. Can you just snap real quick? All campuses, snap. Okay, some of you guys' wrists are working, some are not. If you hear something that's like, oh man, go ahead and nudge your neighbor, even if you don't know, hey, did you hear that verse? Did you hear that? And then, listen, we like to talk back here at Rock Church. Can I get an amen? So, across all of my campuses, I want to make sure that we are warmed up. So, on the count of three, I want you to do this. Say, ooh, that's good on three, okay? City Heights, it might be a little interesting here, so I'm going to need y'all to help us out, okay? All across our campuses, on the count of three, we're going to say, ooh, that's good on three. One, two, three. You know what? That has some Lowry seasoning salt on that. Let's try it one more time. Get you guys warmed up. On the count of three, ooh, that's good. One, two, three. I think they're ready. Let's pray. Jesus, love is our motivation. I pray right now that you would wreck every single person here in this room, across our campuses, all the way to Hawaii. We are here to receive from you, so do what you do. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everyone says... All right, Rock Church, I need you guys to make some noise for our first speaker, Pastor Phil Eisenhower. Let's go. Let's go. Woo, let's go. Hey, as Ali said, family, my name is Phil. I serve as one of our pastors at our El Cajon campus. And can I just simply say it's a joy to be in the house of the Lord with you today? Amen. Hey, check this out. As we dive in, love is our motivation. It was just this past December. I was at the house, all things Christmas decor around, you know. I was bumping my Pentatonix Christmas album, you know, up in there. Boom, come on, somebody. And I have my candy canes out on the counter. When all of a sudden, my 10-year-old son, he just walks into the room, and he walks over to the candy canes, and he picks one up. He said, Dad, can I have a candy cane? I said, sure, son, Merry Christmas, man, have one. And, and so he's like, cool, and he goes to take one. I said, but hey, has anyone ever shared with you the story of Jesus with a candy cane? He's like, What? I said, check this out. Let me see that. And so, and so I, I grabbed the candy cane from him. I said, hey, man, look, check this out. Word has it that a candy maker back in the day, he wanted to make a symbol as a reminder of the love of God toward us in the Christmas season. So he made the candy cane. I said, check this out, man. What do you see? And I held it up to him. He's like, is that a J? I said, absolutely. Because Jesus, man, is the hope, right, for the season. He's the reason for the season, amen. And so then I, I flipped it the other way. And I was like, what do you see now? He's like, my candy cane. And I'm like, well, yeah, man, but no, 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 it's a shepherd's staff because Jesus writes a good shepherd throughout scripture. And then I was like, you see the red? What do you think that's for? He's like, Jesus died for us? I said, amen. I said, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So that's what we celebrate. And I said, you see the white? He's like, yeah. I said, that's because Jesus was holy. He's pure. He's blameless. And in him, you're blameless. You're forgiven. See, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that we might become the righteousness of God. And then I tapped that candy cane on the table. I said, is that hard or is that soft, son? He said, that's a hard candy, dad. I said, "Mm mm-hmm. That's because the hope of Jesus is a firm foundation you could build your life on. I said, said, what do you think about that? He's like, can I have my candy cane now? I'm like, dang, bro. Come on. I'm sharing some screen. Come on. Two days later, right, I'm standing in the kitchen. He's outside playing basketball with one of his buddies. He comes in the house, he grabs a candy cane, he runs back outside, and I thought to myself, is he really going to eat candy without asking me first? For real? I stood in the kitchen, I looked out the window, and I'm watching him. He's there with his buddy, he's there with his friend, and he's holding that candy cane. He's got that J. He's pointing at it. And then he flips it upside down. I was like, what is going on here? And so, and so I, I was like, just watch for like five minutes. And then when I went to bed that night or tucked him into bed that night, I said, hey, son, were you sharing the hope of Jesus with a candy cane today with your friend? He's like, yup. 
It hit me like a ton of bricks. It hit me like a ton of bricks like the day he was born. I thought to myself, this guy is watching me. He's listening to me. He's learning from me. He's following my example. And here's the thing, family. Here's the reality is our lives speak. And somehow, in some way, people are watching us and they're thinking, what does it look like to follow Jesus? The opportunity is the people of God is to reflect the love of the one who first loved us. See, Christ's love compels us. Amen? And love is our motivation to follow God's example. If you've got your Bible, go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. And as you go there, here's what you need to know. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and he's reminding them of the character of God. And he's reminding them who they are in Christ. And then he gets to the end of Ephesians, and he says, here's now some practical steps to start walking out because of who you are in Jesus. And he says it like this in chapter 5, verse 1. He says, follow God's example, therefore. As dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Can I get an amen? Man, what a calling to follow God's example. In fact, love is our motivation to follow God's example and live out the grace that he has freely given us. It's a love that flips the world upside down. It's a love that says, at my expense for your benefit. It's a love that in believing in Jesus changes our lives and our perspective on our lives for all of eternity, amen? And here's the thing, it's actually a walk of love. It's a journey with Jesus. And you'd be walking as fast as one of them competitive speed walkers. You ever seen those guys go? They'd be like this, boop, 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 boop. they're fast. Or maybe you're cruising along and as though you're walking up the beach with the sand in between your toes, the, the, the reality is and the opportunity is and the hope is that we're walking out a reflection of a love that's rooted in Christ and reflected in him. After all, Jesus walked. Jesus walked. God, show me. Oh, yo, my Kanye fans in the house, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have enough time to wrap it all. I got two minutes left, so I'm not going to wrap it for you. But you know what I'm talking about. The reality is he literally, he walked. Jesus walked. He walked from one region to another. He walked from synagogues to households. He walked from the hillside to the water. And when I say to the water, he literally walked on the water. Go read Matthew 14 today when you get home. Come on. He literally walked out his love for us. He modeled it and he showed us what it looked like. And that family is part of the beauty of the gospel. See, Jesus came in love. God moved toward us. And he made a way. In love, he came. In love, he sat with people. And Jesus talked with people. And Jesus asked questions. And he invited people. And he forgave sin. And he healed. He modeled the kingdom of God and said, follow me. In fact, scripture reminds us that God demonstrated his own love for us. And that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Amen. Amen. And then he simply says to this, he says, follow me. And he's inviting you. He's inviting me, inviting us to walk out his love every day. And so my question to you as we land is, how can we bring the kingdom of God and the love of Christ to the places we go and the people we meet? Whether that's at work with that coworker that gets under your skin, who you're like, Joe Bob, you better leave me alone. Lord, show me how to have grace for Joe Bob. Sorry, Joe Bob, I'm not sure. But like, how do I have grace for them? Or maybe it's with your spouse. I just don't feel the love today, Lord. Hey, but Lord, can you show me how to serve my wife today? 
serve my spouse today? Lord, show me how to create space for my kids as they grow, that they would become all you've intended them to be. How do I bring the kingdom of God and the love of Christ to the places I go as I walk that out? Regardless of the situation, fix your eyes on Jesus and walk in the way of love. For love is our motivation to follow God's example. God bless you. All right, Rock Church, can we make some noise for Pastor Phil? Yes, yes, yes. Listen, let's keep this thing going. Can we make some noise for Pastor Sammy Famoso? Come on, Rock family, one more time. If you're excited to be in the house of the Lord today, can you give God some praise? As Pastor Allison mentioned, my name is Sammy, and I have the absolute honor of serving as one of the pastors here at this house. And I'm so excited to see what the Lord is going to do in week four. Come on, if you have your Bibles, we're going to jump right into the Word of God. If you can come to Mark chapter 2, verse 13 with me. Mark chapter 2, verse 13. This is your first time in a church building, or if this is your first time visiting us, we're so glad that you're here. I believe that the Lord wants to meet you where you're at. And if you don't have a Bible, we've been thinking about you all week. And so we're going to have the scripture up on the screen for you. In verse 13, if you have it, can I get an amen? amen. It says, then Jesus went out to the lakeshore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. For there were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of the religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Family, if you're taking notes this morning, can I encourage you to write this down? Love is our motivation to be a friend of sinners. You see, throughout scripture, there are so many stories where love is the driving force behind the powerful move of God. Where the miraculous breaks out because love is in the mix. You see, I'm reminded of how much God loved Adam in the beginning. He loved him so much that he didn't want him to be alone. And so he completed him with Eve. Come on, can we give God some praise for the women in our lives that complete us, amen? I'm reminded of the bond between David and Jonathan in the Old Testament and how, how much these guys loved each other so much that Jonathan went behind his dad's back, who was also the king of Israel at the time, just to save David's life. I think of Esther and how she was moved by compassion for her people. She loved an entire nation so much that she put her life on the line for them. You see, I understand, family, that I might be talking to, to, to two groups today, right? Maybe this is your first time in a church setting, and to be honest, those examples don't make sense to you, and it's okay. I promise that it's all going to make sense right now because I know there's also another group of people that you've probably been coming to church your whole life, and these stories can become a bit common to us, and they can go over our head. And so let's do this. Let's not think about how much God loved Adam. Let's, let's not think about how much David and Jonathan loved each other. Y'all know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Let's get that scripture, and, and let's just put it aside for a little bit. And let's take a moment and think about how much God loved us in our sin. 
Right, because much like Levi, there was a moment in our life where God called us out of our tax collector's booth. Right, oh, Pastor Sammy, well, I don't, I'm not a tax collector. I, I know, but at some point in our life, God called us out of our booth of lies, out of our booth of shame, out of our booth of addiction. Come on, out of our booth of pride and ego. And he called us out. And he, done, he didn't just free us from that, but he loved us in the middle. Come on, is there anybody thankful that we serve a God who is gracious and loving? You see, you might, come on, yeah, give God some praise. You might be in here this morning and, and maybe God's been highlighting some people in your life that you got to show a little extra grace to and some love to. It could be a coworker or a supervisor that's been making your life hell at work. It could be a family member who's probably been gossiping about you. Somebody in your past that probably did you dirty. It could be somebody in your circle with different religious views or a political view and and I totally get you. I am in the same boat. As I was prepping this message this week, I was like, Lord, show me how to love like you love. Like, like give, give me the formula. Like, I want to love the way you love me. And so God was like, all right, son, I'm, I'm going to give you the keys. And I was like, I was, I was writing it down. I was like, all right, Lord, give me the download. And he said, son, if you want to love the way I do, you got to kill the Pharisee inside of you. I, I was like, Lord, you're coming for my soul. And so... He took me to when Jesus calls Levi out of his tax collector's booth. And what I noticed, family, is that Jesus didn't say, hey, Levi, the tax collector, come and follow me. Jesus said, Levi, son of Alphaeus, come and follow me. You want to know why? Because God doesn't call us by our issues. God calls us by name. And my, my prayer this morning is that the Rock Church be a church that preaches the gospel to the whosoevers. Right, not just to a holy fan club. This place should be a hospital for the broken, not for the perfect. You see, love is our motivation to be a friend to the broken. You see, I remember it was, it was like about eight years ago, I started my journey on, on obeying the Lord and, and becoming a student pastor. And year one was amazing. Like kids were getting baptized and students were getting saved. Smooth sailing year one. And then a, a student named Seth came along and... Seth was a 15-year-old young man and six-foot-something, like, super intimidating. <laughs> and he had never been in a church setting before, and so it seemed like when Seth joined the youth group, I was having parent meetings every other week. And, you know, parents rightfully being angry on, Seth said this to my son, and Seth did, did this to my kid, and he shouldn't be coming here. And part of me was like, I agree, you know, like, this gets terrifying. <laughs> but we kept believing in Seth, we kept pouring into him, and and having difficult conversations when needed. And I remember about a year and a half after, he gives his life to the Lord, he gets baptized, and eventually he graduates from high school, praise God. And shortly after graduating, he feels a calling to join the army. And I remember about three months into him joining, I get a letter at my house and it's from Seth and I'm like, I'm, I'm telling my wife, I'm like, babe, I think Seth just got kicked out of the army. I open it and it's just, it's, it's a two, two sentences and he says, Dear Sammy, thank you for making youth group so fun. You were the first person to ever tell me you loved me and mean it. If, before, before, we, before we clap, I don't, I don't want to paint a picture of like, oh, this is the spotlight on me and we should all love like Sammy. Like, I don't always get those letters and I don't always get those emails. But that was a, that was a moment where the Lord taught me to love unconditionally. Even when it's difficult, even when it doesn't make sense, family may love be our motivation to love the ostracized, to love the unseen, to love those who don't have a voice. Family, love is our motivation 
to be a friend of sinners. God bless you. Yes, go, let's go. Can we give it up for Pastor Sammy Famoso? Listen, listen here, family. How many of you guys remember where you were when Jesus found you? There are several people outside of this wall right now that needs to know that love is our motivation to be friends of sinners. It is our job, family. But listen, we're going to keep this thing going. I've been pronouncing this guy's name for the last four years. Can we make some noise? Please send us home to Pastor Jake Latuli Gasanoa. What's up, Rock Church? What's up, Rock Church? Hey, make it loud for the Lord. Make it loud for the Lord. Let's go. Give him praise. Give him praise. Let's go. Hey, if we haven't met, my name is Jake Latulingasanoa. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so excited we're in this series called Firm Foundation, in which I was graced to talk about how love is our motivation to be alive in Christ, right? And so I'm naturally a curious person, and so I asked myself, man, what does it mean to be alive in Christ? And I believe that scripture answers this perfectly in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It says this, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, everybody say loved me, and gave himself for me. Here's the thing I deduce from scripture, that in order for us to be alive in Christ, some things in us need to die, all right? Or how the kids say it nowadays, unalived. You know what I'm saying? And so this reminds me of when me and my wife were on our way to our first marriage getaway. Shout out to Pastor DC and the team. And we were driving on our way to Palm Springs, going through the mountains. And we passed by a section where I saw this big field. And it was completely black. It was like it was burnt. I was like a little worry war inside me. Like, babe, is this safe? Should Should we be going this way? And so I put on my detective hat, which means I Googled it. I said, was there a fire in this area? Because I need to know, you know. There was no fire. It was actually called a controlled burn. I was like, what is that? And if you're wondering the same thing, I got you. This is the answer. A controlled burn is when the city comes and identifies an area that poses a danger to the rest of the things around it. They create a plan around that area. And then they let it burn. They, they set fire to it for two reasons. One is this, is so it prevents future wildfires. And the second is this, is so that we, they can remove old vegetation so new life can grow. Come on. Some of us, we need to remove old vegetation so that new life can grow. All right? And so here, here's, here's a couple things. I just want to shoot a, a few ideas, right? Just some things that's been on my mind that helps us to be alive in Christ. And my first thought is this. We need to identify. Everybody say identify. In a controlled burn, they don't just say, like, let's just burn everything. No, they're like, where is a specific area where are the driest leaves? These are the things that lie dormant within the area that poses a threat to everything else. Challenge you, identify the one thing in your life that lies dormant, that poses a threat to your relationship with the Lord. What is it? Ooh, ooh, we're getting into it today. What is it? Because I'm not talking about the, man, I should really spend like five more minutes praying or reading my Bible. I'm talking about the deep stuff. I'm talking about those of you who are maybe with a significant other that keeps getting you to sin. Just saying. You know, I'm I'm talking about those who maybe got hurt by somebody in the past 
and you haven't healed the wound yet, so you end up bleeding on people who never cut you in the first place. I mean, that's, we'll talk about it, right? I'm talking about those who maybe never even gave your life to Christ, and you're like, I got this. It's me. I, I believe it. Man, that's a problem. That's the issue. We have to identify the issue. After that, we need to create a plan. And when, when they do a controlled burn, once they identify the area, they don't just say, all right, burn it all. You know what I'm saying? No, they say, let's create a plan. Let's sit down. When are we burning this? What is surrounding the area? And for us, once we identify that piece of us, then we have to create a plan. Here's a news flash. Sometimes if you pray, it doesn't go away. Sometimes you have to take action, right? And so I'm talking about if, man, your marriage is struggling, yes, pray. But then think about marriage counseling, right? Maybe you're, you're the type of where, man, my head is not right. It's not, yes, pray, but maybe think about therapy, right? Don't only identify the problem, but create a plan around it. And here's the last thing I would encourage you to do. Sometimes once you identify, once you create a plan, then you got to be like Usher and you got to let it burn. You know what I'm saying? You got to let it, you know what I'm saying? You got to let it burn. You got to let it burn. Here's what it says in scripture. Hebrews 12, 28 to 29. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. A consuming fire. Here's the best part. When you let it burn, you don't provide the fire. He provides the fire. You provide the sacrifice. All right? That reminds me of a song, right? You provide the fire. I'll provide the sacrifice. Let's go. Man, we, we, we provide the sacrifice. He provides the fire. And here, here's the best thing about this. Here's the best thing. The reason why I believe we should take these thoughts and run with them is not because we should do this, but because Jesus did it first. Jesus did it first. Jesus came down. He, he identified a problem. That problem was that you and me, we needed a savior. We needed someone to connect us back to God. What did he do? He created a plan. That plan was, I'm going to come down to the earth. I'm going to live the life you should have lived. I'm going to suffer the death you should have suffered in your place. Three, he let it burn. He let it burn. He bore your sins and my sins, and he felt the weight of hell on himself. But here's the last part. Here's the last part. Here's the kicker. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that he is the son of God. Offering the gift of salvation and the forgiveness of sins to anyone who repents and believes in him. And if you don't think that's good news, fam, then what are we doing? Man, I want to encourage you in this. Jesus' motivation was love. Our motivation needs to be love. Back to that first scripture. At the end of it, it says this. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When we realize what Jesus did on the cross and when we give him our lives, then we can truly start to be alive in Christ. God bless you, fam. Come on, come on, come on. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Church, across all of our campuses, can we clap it up for our amazing speakers this morning? Yes.
Now, yes, yes. Now, family, the temptation right now is for you to check out. Now, I want to say to you guys, we have 10 minutes and we're going to do business with the Lord today. Now, these speakers here today, we're not here to entertain you. He clearly said that love was Jesus's motivation. And if it was his, it should be ours too. Now, across all of our campuses here in this room, I want to encourage you guys to repeat after me. Love is our motivation. Again. Now, in just a moment, we are going to extend an invitation to those who have never experienced that love. And then afterwards, we are going to take communion as a family. Because communion is a beautiful symbol of what that love did for us. So if you are here in this room and you do not have a communion cup, I want you to raise your hand and our team is going to come right now and bring a cup to you. Raise your hand high. Now, we said today that love is our motivation. And with that, our three speakers highlighted three things. Love is our motivation and it motivates us to follow God's example. It motivates us to be friends with sinners. And it motivates us to be alive in Christ. Now listen, eyes up here across all of our campuses. You wanna know why these three, my three brothers right here, spoke so passionately about the love of God? It is because they experienced it so radically in their lives. They experienced Jesus in a way that there's no way that anyone can say that he is not real. He is. And I know that there's many people here in this room that have experienced his love in a radical way. But I also know that there is someone here in this room that wants to be as hyped as we are about the love of Jesus, that wants to encounter the love of Jesus for themselves, who feels like maybe I am not worthy of that love. And let me tell you today, you are worthy of his love. And guess what? He gave everything so you don't have to pay a single thing. All you have to do is admit that you are a sinner in need of a savior. Believe in this gospel and this love that we talked about. We believe that Jesus came. We believe that he died. We believe that he rose again so that we can live eternally. That is what we believe. And if you are here in this room and you want to walk with Jesus, if you want to encounter the love of Jesus, you can do so right now from your seat. But I'm gonna ask you to do one thing. I'm gonna pray for you. But if you're here in this room and you're feeling a tug on your heart right now, I just want you to raise your hand. It's only between you and God. And in you raising your hand boldly, you're saying, yes, I am in need of a savior that has you yelling so loud in front of all these people. I accept that I am a sinner, but I am in need of a savior and that savior is Jesus and I want him. So if that's you, I wanna encourage you all to close your eyes and bow your heads. If you are in this room right now, I wanna let you know all we have is right now. Tomorrow is not promised, let alone the next 30 minutes we have right now. Salvation is today and it can be yours. Across all of our campuses, if you are in need right now to say, I'm ready to take that step, I'm ready to walk with Jesus, I want you to raise your hands boldly at the count of three. One, two, three. Raise them high. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. 
We see you up top, we see you up top. Raise your hands high. Raise your hand high. I see you, sis, I see you. I see you. I'm gonna pray for you right now. I wanna ask my brothers to come and join me. We're gonna pray over you guys right now. Lord, there are several hands that were raised here in this room, across our campuses, and even in Oahu. God, you, you are the only reason why we are here. And there are several brave people today that says, I raised my hand. I know I'm in need of a savior. I believe in what you've done. I confess of my sins. And so God, I pray that this day forth, that every single person here in this room and across their campuses will begin to walk in the freedom that you have given. That this day forth will mark a line in the sand that their lives will be transformed, not because of a message, but by the power of the work of the Holy Spirit right now moving in their lives. We love you, Lord. We thank you for coming alongside every single person that raised their hand to change their lives. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for what you're doing right now. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. At this time, I want to encourage you guys to take out your communion cup. In Scripture, it reminds us that when we take communion, it says that we need to do this often. And when we do it, we do it in remembrance of what he has done. So when we have this wafer here and we have this juice, the wafer represents his body that was broken. It absorbed sin. And he conquered death so that we might live. And the juice represents the blood that was shed, the blood that you and I did not have to shed, but he did so that we can live. And it says that when we do this, do this in remembrance of what he's done. And so right now, I want you to take the wafer because that represents his body. In your own way, in your seats, thank him for what he's done with his body. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son who died a death that we could have never imagined, but he did it for our sins. Thank you for saying I love you to us before we could ever say I love you first. You said it by giving your life. Thank you for your body that was broken. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And lastly, and lastly, his blood that was shed we do this in remembrance of him. Let's pray. God, forgive us when we take for granted that we get to do this. All we get to do is remember, but you relive what you've done. You have to relive that your blood was shed for us. All we get to do is remember and be thankful. Thank you for shedding your blood for us, paying that price so that we can live. We honor you today and every day with our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Partake, please.